0: Hi, I'm Rick give of the Internet's Maximum Potential. Today on a very special edition of our program, Drew Steck and I, along with some of the most talented voice actors in the world, will recreate one of the great lost radio programs of the 1930s. Broadcasting's top aptitude aired on NBC Radio's Red Network on October 30th, 1938. It aired against Orson Welles' War of the Worlds broadcast and therefore has become a grain of sand lost in the hourglass of radio history i Steck. It should be noted that this program featured several guest stars, most notably one of its first appearances by Abbott and Costello. As the program goes along, if appropriate, we will try and contextualize some and explain some of the rougher elements of the show. For now, pretend it's October 30th, 1938. You've been suffering through the Great Depression, but hope is on the way. The premise of minimum wage was established just a week ago. Daredevil Elo Knievel was born just two weeks ago. You're in the prime of your life, and the best thing to do... Is sit down in front of the old radio and listen to a program. A program by the name of Broadcasting's Top Attitude. Tommy Finn has been working in the radio business for quite some time. He was once known as a wonderkind of sort, but lately, the talent well has been dry. As he looks over the numbers, the wealthy owner of the radio station, Admiral Warren Fontaine,
1: storms into his office.
2: Finn, I sure hope you're looking over the numbers.
1: Yes, Admiral Fontaine. I'm in as much disbelief as you are.
2: Oh, you are now, Finn. Well, what do you have to say about this?
1: Perhaps... This depression we're in has hurt our performance. As much as we love what, what we do, our country has been in a rut for quite some time. And while Americans love entertainment, and the radio offers them a door to escapism, perhaps they're too hard working at the moment.
2: Nonsense, Tommy. Our economy is the verge of a booming yet again, and everyone <laughs> owns or should own a radio. But why aren't they listening to our programs?
1: I'm unsure of that, sir.
2: Well, it's time to get sure. I'm giving you two days to come up with a radio act that will turn those numbers inside out. Two days? I'd stop
0: looking at those numbers and start getting the work. Meanwhile, at a small club on the city's west side, a young performance duo, Curtis and Henley Thompson, are about to entertain a room full of patrons. Boy, oh boy, Henley. I got butterflies in my stomach. Is you telling me you went and swallowed butterflies? No, it's the nerves. They're manifesting themselves as butterflies. I don't like that image one bit, Curtis. Sorry, Henley. Are you sure it's the nerves, not, not hunger? No, I can't eat before we perform. When I get home, the wife will have a bun in the oven for me. Margie is having a baby? She is? You're gonna be a father? <laughs> well, this is great news. Goodness, I must say all those nerves are going away. It's like the, those butterflies have reverted back to the cocoon stage of their mot- 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 metamorphosis. Now I've got caterpillars of excitement pulsing through my body. Do you have names picked out yet? No. Is it a boy or a girl? I don't know. How do you tell? You boil water, your wife... you boil- you boil water for your wife, then you put in a dash of honey, and also some lemon juice. When she drinks it, if she tastes the honey, it's a boy. If she tastes lemon, it's a girl. What if she tastes both? Then you'll have twin boys. Well, if that's how you know you have twin boys, how do you h- tell if you have twin girls? I don't think having twin girls is possible. Oh? You know, women aren't as strong as men, and that's something that begins before you're even born. They aren't powerful enough to have two of their own come out at once. Well, isn't that an old wives' tale? Right, but but you're in your late 20s, and your wife is young, so no worries. Five minutes short showtime, fellas. I should call Margie. You can call her after, or we're done. I'll tell you what, Henry. 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 What is your name? It's Henry. Oh, okay. I feel great. Out in the audience sits one of the city's top talent agents, Dick Jacob Torah, and his wife, Natalia. Natalia, well, I'm glad you could join me for this trip. You should know that this is business, not pleasure.
3: It's always business with you, Jacob.
0: Business is money. The next act we'll be taking the stage are the two I'm prospecting, the Thompson brothers.
3: Have you seen these boys before?
0: I saw a performance of theirs earlier in their careers, and I have high... I have high ceiling. A uh, big hurdle they need to leap is having another brother, <laughs> Curtis, appear more confident on stage.
3: He has stage fright?
0: I don't know why I brought you along. No, not stage fright. This guy has butterflies.
3: On stage with them? Jacob, I don't want any butterflies flying out, getting on my dress and bruning. Do you know how much these fabrics cost?
0: No, not real butterflies. He's nervous. He just needs more, to be more comfortable.
3: What about the other brother?
0: You know how when you put a cucumber in an icebox, it's very cool? Right. Well, he is cool as a cucumber. He's very refreshing. (laughs) Uh, I have to interject here. The actual line was, well, he he is a cool cucumber, but when the voice actor mispronounced it, the listeners of the program misremembered the sequence of dialogue, and for that purpose, as cool as a cucumber is the play again, Sam, of broadcasting's top aptitude. Now, let's resume Jacob and Natalia.
3: I don't care for cucumbers.
0: I think you'll care for this one.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, the Thompson Brothers, Curtis
0: and Henry. Hello! I'm Henry. And I'm Curtis. And we're... The Thompson Thompson Brothers. Brothers! Is everyone in attendance having an enjoyable evening? Henry, this lady up front seems to be a little nervous at the idea of two men as handsome as you and I performing right in front of her. Miss, you're welcome to go to the back of the room, but you shouldn't fear Curtis. He's married. You should fear me though. What's your name? Dear? Rebecca. Rebecca, eh? Well you shouldn't be nervous because I just read I just read you the other night. I can't remember which evening I read you, but last night I went to Manderley again. <laughs> 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 In this portion of the broadcast, the character of Henry was referring to the popular book Rebecca, which was later remade as Alfred Hitchcock film Last Night I Went to Manderley Again, is the opening, bu- <laughs> the opening line of the book. <laughs> leave the poor girl alone, Henry. You want me to leave the poor girl alone? I think she would appreciate being left alone. Well, I'll have to call my banker and we'll need to look over my finances to see if this is a possibility. I don't see why it would be so hard to leave a girl alone. Clearly she doesn't want to be bothered. Well, how much should I give her? I wouldn't give it to her anymore, Henry. The poor poor girl has had enough. So I should leave her alone for nothing? Uh, You say you would want to charge her just so she could be left alone? Well, if she gives me money, why does she need to be left alone? So what you're saying is that you're testing her to see if she's rich. And if she has money to give you, you'd consider consider taking her out on the town. Well, I certainly wouldn't leave her alone, that's for sure. (laughs) Rebecca, thanks for being such a great sport. I've always said that baseball is only second to Rebecca. You folks have been great. I've been Curtis. And I've been Henry. And we've been... The Johnson, Johnson Brothers! Brothers. <laughs> Natalia, those boys, they're really something special, ain't they?
3: I don't like how they picked on that poor girl.
0: But that's the thing, Natalia. They reached out and made the audience a part of their show. It is revolutionary. Uh, and you, you see Curtis? hes he was like his brother. There were two cucumbers out there. <laughs> I'm going to talk to them through, dear. I'm going to try and make them pickles.
3: are cucumbers bigger than pickles?
0: Maybe in size, but not in consumption. I'm talking about making money, and that's what I hope to do with these fellas. Backstage, Curtis and Henry cool off in their dressing room. Uh, what a great show, Henry. We were golden tonight. It was like King Midas himself had touched our performance. I can't wait to tell Margie about this and learn more about the pregnancy. It's pretty hard for me to accept that you seem to already be such a distant father. But Henry, I didn't know. Well, now you don't now you do know that you seem to be a distant father, and I would rectify that. I'm gonna go place a telephone call to her right now. Go ahead. But before Henry can leave, Jacob Tora enters the room. Boys, you truly, you were truly phenomenal tonight. You're just the type of act my talent agency is looking for. Uh, excuse me, I need to make a telephone call. Curtis, what are you doing? This fella here is, is here to talk business. But I want to talk pregnancy. <laughs> well, I hate to break it to you, sons. I don't sell babies. Curtis, let's talk with this man. This fella by the name of... Uh... Jacob. Jacob Torah. Wait. The Jacob Tora? That would be right. I, I think this could be our big break. Yeah. Fame just got a crack, and we're leaking in! Nah, uh, no, not so fast, boys. I want to understand where I can take your act and what sort of terms we're going to use. Well, my favorite terms to use are done deal and instant fame. Mine are big bucks and fortune and glory. But what do you two want to do with your act? We want to be ourselves. We want to perform. We want to be the, the Thompson, Thompson Brothers. Brothers! That's pretty vague, boys. Well, ain't you the talent agent? Shouldn't you be able... Shouldn't you be the one to figure out what to do with us? Huh? Huh? Well... Yeah, well, l- let's hammer this out. The three of us, let's spend the night figuring out where we can take this at. Uh, if you'll excuse me, I need to use the telephone. Sorry, I can't do that. Hey, <coughs> what? My wife Natalia was outside the door, and she locked it from the outside when I shut it. How did you know that the door locked from the outside? And where did you get the key? How did I do that? One answer. Show business. <laughs> Let's get to thinking, boys. Meanwhile, Tommy Finn sits and stews in a crosstown bar, drinking wicked brew after wicked brew. It should be noted that this is an incredibly convoluted scene, which not only serves primarily to drive the plot, but also has some incredibly unnecessary product placement. Uh, actually, Drew, I think the next several scenes are very strictly plot-driven. Right, but this is the scene that, was, that the sponsor paid for.
1: Figure it, mister... Get me away from... Oh. <laughs> that ain't no way to cigarette, treat me. mister. Get away from me, cigarette girl.
3: That ain't no way to treat me.
1: I ain't regretting it.
4: Hey now, mister. I don't mind serving you drinks, but I can't have you talking that way to my cigarette girl.
1: Cigarette girl?
3: I didn't mean that. It's okay, mister. I was only trying to offer you some lucky strikes. You know, Lucky Strikes is the only brand out there that features toasted tobacco. And as for the name, Lucky Strikes means fine tobacco. So, would you like a Lucky Strike?
1: Mm, Mmm, love one.
3: Have a match.
1: Have a match? Oh, thanks. Oh, I love that smooth, healthy flavor.
0: Actually, I I think now would be a good time for us to take a cigarette break. Um, but no one here smokes Drew. Oh, really? Uh, I don't either. But now I want to. Those geniuses on Madison Avenue were just
1: as sharp in the thirties.
3: Take care mister. Enjoy your lucky strikes.
1: There. Problem solved. Well, despite the toasted tobacco flavor of a lucky strike, well, I'm more relaxed. A particular problem I have is not at over. Yep. (laughs) My name's Lucas. You can call me Luke. What's the trouble? Well, bartender, I need to find out the next big thing in radio. And I have, and I only have until tomorrow to find them, otherwise I'll have a great depression. What are you looking for? Whatever's out there. Say, you know of the Torah Talent Agency? I've heard of them. Have you, uh,
4: how do you know them? He came in here once for a drink. He left his card. Here. Here it is.
1: Huh, great. I'll uh, go to this address on the card. Thanks.
4: It's what I do in this bar. I dispense advice that changes people's lives. Meanwhile, what sort of hope is there out there for me? As much as I try, nothing ever seems to go my way. When is Lucas Manning's day in the sun going to arrive? When I when will I escape the dark, dusty shade of this running
0: down bar?
1: (laughs) Thanks again, Mister.
0: Meanwhile, back in the locked room, Jacob, Henry, and Curtis are continuing their brainstorming session. Boys, it shouldn't be taking this long to hammer this out. Well, you see, the funny thing about hammering something out is that you usually need a tool to do it. it, Namely, a hammer. You nailed it! Fellas, I repeat myself for the umpteenth time. Where are we going to take your act? Shouldn't you be the one who decides where our talents are best suited? Keep in mind, we are most talented when we are wearing our best suits. Well, certainly, whatever endeavor you and I go to, regardless of the arena, we will be in our best suits. We could try to take it to Vegas and, and try our best suits at, out at the casino. Oh, which su- best suits are those? Hots, spades, diamonds, and clubs. Boys, you ain't leaving this city. Wait a minute. What time is it? It's, it's late, but not too late. Curtis, we have to leave the city? What for? We've got to go to Pamelaico. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, I forgot. What are you two talking about? Curtis and I, uh, we're working the big race. Uh, grounds crew. It's a day job. Oh. Uh, over, over at Pilmino? Pimlico? Pimlico! <laughs> Pimlico! Sorry. Performing isn't paying the bills. Not yet, at least. Especially with Curtis having a kid on the way. Have your wife unlock this door. We've got to get the first train to Pimlico right away. Natalia, let us out! Okay, um, here's where the story really starts to go off the rails. Uh, apparently, this New York-based comedy comedy duo need to immediately get to Pimlico Racecourse in Baltimore so they can work on the ground crew. This was an effort to be timely on the part of the program. As two days after the airing, the big race between Seabiscuit and War Chest was to take place at Pimlico Racecourse. It's ins- it's inexplicable why these or two inexplicable or inexplicable, yeah, why these two men would be employed in Baltimore, which, by modern Amtrak records, is a three-hour train ride. One can only imagine it took longer in 1938, and would not be cost-effective. Uh, nevertheless, the story continues. So, Jacob, Henry, and Curtis, for the first train out to Baltimore, treated to their own room on the car by Jacob. I sure was nice of you to spring for the sleep car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I ain't going to use it to do any sleeping. We're here to figure out what to do with, our, with your careers. How can we cater your act? Well, I love pastrami sandwiches. Curtis is a big fan of corned beef. I don't understand how corned beef works, but I love it. I keep expecting kernels, but that's never the case. Can we, ha- can we head over to the club car and get ourselves a bite? I'm not taking the train with you knuckleheads out, of- out to Baltimore just to sit around and watch you eat. I'm going to be blunt, Jacob. I don't see how you're really helping us. Curtis and I will be happy in whatever sort of position we land in with our act, just as long as we're able to, def- to perform. I've got a child on the way, Jacob. I just want to be able to support him or, her while, him or her while doing what I love. Speaking of which, I should have sent a telegram to my wife. We still haven't spoken since I found out about the baby. And that was Henry who told me about it. I thought, you told me, I thought you told me she was pregnant. Well, I did repeat what you said after you told me. I guess that's what they mean when they say that word travels fast. Well, if word travels fast, why aren't we on a word instead of a train? Curtis, Henry, I'm a money man, and if you two stay... So you don't care about the specifics of the act? Well, I guess I'm not going to put as much money into you two as I thought. Don't act this way, Jacob. Act what, Henry? I have to. I have no act. No, you and I don't. But by Curtis and I, we do. And we're going to figure out and we're going to find the right channel. We just need you to help us out. I thought you boys cared more about your craft. We just want to do what we love. I'm going to come with you two to Baltimore. But I'm just here to watch the big race. If you two figure it out, we have a deal. Otherwise, it's all off. I thought you said you believed in us. Well, you two haven't signed any paperwork yet, have you? I'll be in the, the club car. You two aren't allowed. Back in New York City, and Natalia is woken up by a pounding at the front door. When she answers it, Tommy is standing
1: outside. Do
3: you have any idea how late it is? It's
1: so late that it warns. Is already being caught by an early bird?
3: What are you talking about?
1: Listen, I don't have time. I don't have a lot of time to explain. Can I speak with Jacob?
3: He's not here right now.
1: Not here? Oh, just my luck. Cruel fortune? Why must you rear your ugly head at every turn? When I... When... When, <laughs> when will he get back?
3: Not until late tomorrow. He's in Baltimore. Baltimore? For what? He's working with the next, his next big axe.
1: Wait a minute, next big act!
3: The Thompson brothers. They're all going to be at the big race. Big race,
1: huh? Well, that still gives me time to make it out to Baltimore. Catching the next train, Tommy also makes his way out to Baltimore.
0: A few hours later, the Thompson brothers and Mr. Tora arrive at the racetrack. Listen, I'm gonna grab seats in the grandstands while you two work out if there's going to be some sort of a deal. I still don't understand why you're not the one making the decisions. Henry, Curtis, let me explain the biz. You two are the talent, but by no means are you sharp enough to conceive the suits to hire you for a job. You need someone to present to you to them, and that's where I come along. That's all I do. I present you to people. And because you need representation, I get half of your pay. Half of our pay? Without me, you ain't even in a position to make money. Wouldn't you be uh, rather make 50% of something instead of 100% of nothing? Well, hey, that's cruel. That's, the, that's business, boys. Have fun working. We'll talk later. As the stands begin to fill in with more and more race fans, Curtis and Henry work on the racetrack, preparing it for an opening race to precede the main event. I thought Seabiscuit and Wordchest were the only ones racing today. Are you saying you don't care about the race featuring my horse?
2: Not at all. Who, cool. are, who are you? I'm Edwin Fleece, the jockey for Lucky Thunder. And let me tell you, Lucky Thunder's going to win the race. Well, good luck to you. You don't believe me, do you? Just wait until you see us out there. We're gonna win. And then I'm gonna formally request that we race against Seabiscuit and War Chest. Now why would you do a thing like that? Because I want to be known as the best. I'll see you two in the winner's circle. Oh
0: huh. well, boy, Henry, he sounds like he's out to make some trouble. I think it's I think it is up to you and I to save the day. Well what do you have in mind? Well, let me tell you. Meanwhile, Tommy arrives and begins his frantic search for Jacob
1: Torah. Uh, excuse me, sir. Have you seen Jacob tour around? Ooh. Uh, you're no help to me! Back on
0: the track, the opening race is about to start.
4: And off, Shooting out of the gate is Lucky Thunder. He immediately has jumped out to a five-length lead. As he comes around the corner, Lucky Thunder is breaking away from the pack. This is the most impressive showing I've ever seen by a horse in my life. The other horses don't matter. Place and, place and show is of no importance. Lucky Thunder is going to win this by 12 lengths. An unprecedented showing. And I wouldn't be surprised if we suddenly had a dark horse that wanted to contend with
0: sea Biscuit and War Chest. Well, Henry, that jockey was right. We'll wait for him to get off the horse and put it back in the stable. And then we'll make our move.
4: It looks like Lucky, Thunder jockey, Lucky Thunder's jockey wants to make an announcement.
2: I want everybody here to know that Lucky Thunder will race against Seabiscuit and War Chest. Race officials won't let him formally enter the race, so you will not be able to bet on him. But you can watch the power and the might of this glorious horse. We will win.
0: Stunning words from such a small man. Back in the stands, Tommy continues to frantically search for Jacob Tora. Now looking through the luxury boxes.
1: Uh, Excuse me, fellas. Uh, Aren't you Jacob Tora?
3: Well, no, I'm Joe DiMaggio.
1: And I'm Frankie Calacity.
0: People call me Billy, uh, Bill Dickey.
2: Sometimes people like to sing my name.
4: Skip Russell.
0: (laughs) My, My real name is Vernon Luis Gomez, but everyone knows me as Lefty Gomez.
4: I'm also better known by my nickname of Red Ruffing as opposed to my whole name, Charles Herbert Ruffing.
0: I'm Monty Pearson. Hello!
3: And and I'm Lou Gehrig. It's kind of interesting that I would be watching a horse race when it so happens that I'm known around the country as the Iron Horse. Of course, people may call me the Iron Horse because of my durability, not because I'm a horse cast in iron posing as being a human being. No sir, it's because of my grit and my toughness and the fact that there's no slowing down Lou Gehrig, that's for sure.
1: So none of you are Jacob Tora?
3: Nope, we're all ball players, members of the 1938 Yankees. We just took it to those Chicago Cubs winning the World Series in early October.
1: But do you know who Jacob Tora?
2: None of us know him, especially not me. Skip Russell.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, you know helping me! After Lucky Thunder's jockey has dismounted him, and left him alone to rest before the next race, Curtis and Henry creep into his stall. Just a warning, this next scene is one of the main reasons why this broadcast has not been aired again since 1938. In fact, the controversy surrounding the War of the Worlds probably saved NBC Radio from enduring the protests which might have resulted from this scene. Listen with caution. Are you sure this is a good idea? We gotta save horse racing. You do it. With pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I shot the horse and killed it. That's step one. Did you bring the saw and the sacks for step two? Got him right here. All right. I'll saw him, and we'll put the butts. Bar- <laughs> <laughs> this sounds easy. All right now, Curtis, Hand me those ribs. Well, someone's barbecuing in here? Henry, I don't think now is a good time to be thinking about food. We have to cover the murder of this horse and dispose it somewhere. No, no, no. I mean the ribs of the horse. Oh, here you go. Move over. I'll do that work. You just tell me what part to give you. All right then, Henry. Could Could you give me that liver? Liver? But he's dead. No, no, no. I meant the liver of the horse. Oh, here you go. I think our original working arrangement was working much better. All right, Curtis. I could really use the head. What do you mean, could? The head is a vital part of the body. It's what makes you think, it's what makes you breathe, it's what makes you kiss, it's what makes you talk. You're using your head already. No, no, no. The horse's head. Hand me the horse's head. Oh, here you go. Let's switch again. Oh, uh, looks like I could, ne- it looks like I need the heart from you now. But I'm saving it to give it to a girl. No, no, no. A- actually, actually, Rick, I... There's like another 45 minutes worth of this material, and it really starts going down in quality. (laughs) Bluntly, Drew, I think this material is flawless. It stands the test of time. It's kind of like George Carlin's early stuff, but performed by Abbott and Costello. It's perfect. Rick, it's just the same shtick. This was before Abbott and Costello understood the idea of self-editing and pacing a longer bit correctly. There's no build-up, no payoff. (laughs) Uh, Drew, this is classic. This is going on the record. Uh, don't insult these comedy geniuses. Let's just skip it, Rick. It's way too long. Uh, Drew, I think you're outnumbered here.
3: Actually... Actually, Rick, Drew is right.
0: Lee, you're on his side?
3: I am too, Rick. I'm actually an animal rights activist for the past few minutes. I've contemplated running into my car, retrieving a bucket of red paint, getting Buzz back in, and then drenching this whole apartment in Dutch Boy.
0: Uh, well, Tara, how could you? Well, Drew, the women are on your side, but let's hear what my boys have to say.
2: Rick, let's just move on. It's been a while since the show has been legitimately funny. I think the last really good thing we did was when I sang, and that was only funny because of how amazing a singer I am, and that I'm slumming it with these no-talent hacks surrounding me.
1: Andy, no! Uh, The sound effects were pretty, uh, were amazing, but let's move ahead, Rick. You son of a gun, Carl. Rick,
4: I'm the number one fan of the show, a fact which has been well-established throughout the entire
0: series of the program. That being said, I think we should move on.
3: Backstabber!
0: Mike, balls in your court. Well, we've already been outnumbered here in a vote, but I'd like to for it to continue, actually. What? Tara, I've waited too long to tell you this, but I've killed some horses. Um, it was one of those... I was the one who introduced Rick to the script because I talk so much about, it take so much delight in this scene. It's helped me relieve, really, <laughs> revel in, a, in revel the rush. I, I think it helps you relive that rush. I love it. yes, yes, that too. I'm sorry, we're talking about this when I get home. I'm get home sorry. Anyway, uh, let's skip ahead to the end of the scene when the jockey comes in after the horse has been cut up into sacks. Oh no, where could Lucky Thunder be? Sure! We had to set him free. A life confined to horse racing just isn't fair to a racehorse. We let him out. He's currently running through the wilderness.
2: I should be mad, but I'm very proud of you boys. It took an act like this for me to realize how selfish I've been. Thank you. You're very welcome. Say, what's in all those sacks you're carrying? Uh, lunch. Barbecue ribs. Oh, (laughs) So that must be the barbecue sauce all over the floor over there and currently leaking through all those sacks.
0: That is an astute observation,
2: sir. Well enjoy your lunch. You certainly deserve it after performing the act which really doesn't upset me at all surprisingly. I guess it makes sense. You know there were times that I got so mad I wanted to kill that horse.
0: (laughs) That's a horrible (laughs) thought, sir. Shame on you. I apologize. I'll depart now. Back in the grandstands, Tommy sits down at the cheapest seats in the house. Well, I
1: give up. I'm never gonna find Jacob Torah. I'm Jacob Torah. You are? Yes. Who are you? I'm a radio producer, Tommy Finn, and uh, I need to find out. I need to find an act, uh, the host, uh, daily radio program. However, I need to find that act by today.
0: Well, I've got a great act right here with me, the Thompson Brothers.
1: I don't know what, to, what they do, but uh, I know your reputation and I for talent, so I'm going to sign them. Wonderful. But I need to get them back to the city uh, th- today. I'll go get them for you. As Curtis and Henry
0: walk out with all their sacks, they hear the voice of Jacob yelling for them. I think Jacob wants us. What? He wants to give him money? He wants us to give him money? Well, we should go see what he wants. Fine. Curtis and Henry meet up with Jacob and Tommy. Henry, Curtis, I'd like to introduce you to Tommy Flynn, a big time radio producer who wants you two to host a daily radio program. Pleasure to meet you two. I let Tommy know what you two are. You two are my top talent. Now, as your agent, I have to recommend that you two go ahead. Hey, you're not our agent. What? You know, we never signed anything. But I was the one. There's no contract agreement. No agreement. We win, Curtis. But. Hey, sorry, buddy. That's the business.
1: Well, uh, if you don't have any, uh, have an agent. Would would it be all right if you uh, received the money direct, boys? I think we'd be fine with that. Uh, quickly now, we have to make it back to the city. But 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 Jacob, <laughs> I trust your opinion of talent, but I highly uh, question your business moves. I'll be sure to let everybody else in the uh, business. No, how poorly you set up this business deal.
0: Let's go, Henry and Curtis. Hours later, moments before the deadline, Tommy walked into Admiral Warren Fontaine's office, presenting Curtis and Henry. So you boys call yourselves the Thompson Brothers? That'd be correct, yeah. And what do you plan on calling your program? Well, uh, the Thompson Brothers Hour.
2: That's horrible. Absolutely horrible. So horrible that I know you're clearly joking, and I appreciate this confusing sense of humor on display. When I received my 4 stars rank in the Navy, I had to put aside my sense of humor. And now the only thing which aren't that funny seemed to tickle me, my funny bone. It's incredibly complicated. Combat will do that to a man. So t- tell me, Tommy, what's the real name of your show? Uh, It's uh, Broadcasting top's
0: Aptitude. Let me hear the intro. I'm Henry Thompson. And I'm Curtis Thompson. And this is Broadcasting's Top Aptitude!
2: You boys have a deal. And you, Tommy, you still have a job. In fact, you have my job. Uh, What? I'm retiring. I need to make sure you had an ear for talent. And even though I've just met these boys, and I have no idea what sort of program they'll put on, I completely trust you. Combat will do that to a man.
1: (laughs) Oh my god.
0: He just disappeared. Was he a ghost? Uh, (laughs) Was this a dream? No, it certainly isn't. But I don't have time to sit around with you clowns and try to figure this out. I have a wife of mine to see. And kiss. That's right. I'm gonna smooch her. Curtis sprints to his apartment and opens the door to find his wife finishing up a large meal. Honey, I've got news.
3: Hey, dear, too. What's going on?
0: What's going on? Henry and I are going on. Going on the air, that is. We just signed a deal with a big radio station. We have ourselves a show.
3: That's great.
0: Now, you ha- you said you had some news?
3: Well, I went to the doctor. Yeah? And it turns out I've got a bum toe. The best method is going to be bed rest. Oh. You disappointed.
0: Well, I thought we were having a baby.
3: Where'd you
0: hear that? Well, I don't know. Everyone just seemed to know. Well,
3: I hadn't told anybody, but we are! Ah!
0: You must have that glow that everyone could tell.
3: Well, if I've got a glow, how about we turn off the lights?
0: You do need your bed rest. I think I'll take a nap, too. And that there's the end. Uh, So that was Broadcasting's Top Aptitude. Um, Any closing thoughts, Drew? The ending is a little funny. Uh, You just... Hope that she does she was done making the meal and that they weren't still cooking when they turned off the lights and headed to bed. What about you, Rick? Well, it's kinda hard to have closing thoughts when uh this really isn't the complete radio play. We did skip a lot of material with the dead horse, and I think by excluding that that harms the overall production. You're wrong. That's that's where you're wrong. But thank you to our incredibly talented cast of Andy Berman, Carl Havermill, yep. Lee Allen. Tara Domine, Mike Schmals, John Thompson, and John Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Drew Steck, he's the double mention and <laughs> I've been
3: Racheckie. And, and this, this has been, been the, the internet's, internet's maximum, maximum potential. potential.